tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra. How are you doing, Brett? I am. I am so tired. I feel like that should be our theme song. Oh, wait, it is. Oh, wait, it is. You did. You made that our theme song. So tell me what's been, what's going on. Uh, meetings, meetings, meetings. And it's not like I have to pay a lot of attention in uh, about half of them are only tangentially related to me at this point, but I have to be there. Uh, and so there's still like that energy drain of, of looking good on camera. Um, it, I'll get used to it. I swear I will. Like, I, this is just my life now and I have to deal with it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think at one point of the pandemic, I just stopped turning my like camera on. Um, but it did get to that point for sure. I did. I I tried that. I felt guilty because like out of 20 people in the meeting, I was one of only two that didn't turn their camera on. Right. No, see, that's always the weird thing is like, what's the social like stigma on this stuff? And I'm always like, uh, like, yeah, I am the only person in those large meetings with a messy office. Like my oh, office I hate that shit too. on camera. It is clear that I work in the basement and it, it is it's not a disaster, but it, I would call it cozy. For an ADHD person, it's cozy. Um, right. Everyone else has these sterile white backgrounds, sometimes with artwork no. and plants. And I'm like, shit, I can't compete no, with that. Blur I know. filter. I look at that too, and I'm like, yeah, blur, blur filter, put in some other things. Sometimes I just turn it off because I'm like, I don't want you to see the mess that I'm in that I'm trying to do. I'm like, I'm trying to get my office in a good place. But this is one of the many things I hate about like the current remote culture we're in and like I know you'll always be from home but now there's this weird but like before like when more people are in the office if you do have the person who's remote like you're not staring at them necessarily like you don't feel on display even if you're the person who's calling in because you've got a bunch of people in a conference room it's just it's different and now it's like oh I have to have my camera on and I do I need to have makeup or can I not or do I you know, have to like have my background clear or like, what if they see that I'm in a kitchen someplace? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's, there's all these politics around yeah. like showing off your place. And I'm like, I don't get paid enough to buy a house t- to have room to, you know, do a lot of these things. So it's, yeah. There's one guy who's uh, like, he's like a manager on our team and he always shows up uh, on screen on a treadmill so he has like a treadmill desk, I assume, but he right. like he spends the whole call bobbing up and down a little bit, and it, it's comforting. Like I keep thinking I'm going to break out my treadmill desk, and we'll just be like treadmill bros. But um, and there's one woman who who clearly like she has kids running around in the background, and so if you have kids running around in the background, like any mess that's there, it kind of becomes forgivable, I think, socially. Absolutely. And hers isn't even messy, so good on her. Congratulations. No, see the, good for her. No, see, this is the problem, right? Is a lot of the stuff, it's like, it just, I'm like, I don't have the excuses. And I'm like, but I don't want to be shamed. Like, my house is my house. Like, I live in a small, you know, uh, I live in a two-bedroom apartment. You know, I have like 980 square feet or something like that, which I guess isn't small, but it's small compared to a lot of people who have houses and more room and things like that. And And, you know, we're not hoarders, but we do have clutter. And so... I'm just like, I don't, yeah. I have a house 
and I have an office, I have my own bedroom, I, there's a kitchen, there's a shared living space. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a two story. Well, it's like one story and a basement. Um, it's a ranch. So there is no place in my house that has a clear wall. Like there is no place I can go to when I was trying to take my photo for the security badge. I couldn't find a clean wall to take a security badge photo against. If it's not cluttered, then it has wall hangings and photos and things on it. They're, right. Like yoga class, sometimes we go up against the wall and do handstands and stuff. I can't do that at home. I have to like take pictures off the wall just to find a place to put my feet. Yeah, I have a green screen that's not mounted, but that I'm going to mount that I'm trying to use. Like it, I'm going to so I could mount it at the ceiling, but the ceiling is too high. So I'm going to like mount it above the closet so I can pull it down and then have a green screen if I could use for purposes like that. But it's frustrating because I'm like, I'm trying to turn my office into like an office slash a studio slash all these other things. And I'm like, (sighs) I just ordered one of those green screens that fits on the back of your chair. Oh, cool. That big, like it puts like a halo green screen around you. I'm hoping I can make that work. Then I don't have to clean my office because I'm. Yeah, no, that would be great. It's it's messy on when you see it uh, compared to everyone else's sterile rooms, but I am in no way motivated to change my office. I really like it the way it is. I'm like I'm not ashamed of it. I just feel like there's this standard that I'm supposed to live up to in a Zoom call. Right. No, I feel the same way and I really I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm like, can we just not do this? Like I just would prefer us not to have this this whole thing right now like can we just like i don't know this performative stuff i'm not a fan i know that a lot of people are but i'm like this underscores the fact that at least in in our profession even though we get paid a lot of money you know like comparatively for stuff in many cases it's still not enough money to be a homeowner and even if you are a homeowner like working from home sucks it just it can have good aspects to it but when everybody has to be on video and you have to do all the pristine stuff i'm just i'm not a fan like i i miss the office i i i do not share that i i absolutely love being a home worker uh homebody but well yeah, yeah you've done it for a long time but it's a different thing and it, i think it's also different like when you take a job and it's under the context that it's a remote job versus when you take a job sure. and it's not yeah. and then it changes and you're like okay like you know because i also had my own office at microsoft so you know that sure. was nice too so yeah it's just i'm not i don't i don't love it it's fine it is what it is it's just you know yeah, what's I, awesome about my job though what's that they want to convert like all of their content documentation uh all their like public facing uh, like DevRel content over to Markdown, and oh wow, heck yeah, that's and you. I'm their guy. Like I remember this oh, came up yeah. in the interview, but then I forgot that. Like by the time I actually got the job, because there was like a month of waiting, I actually forgot what the job requirements were. All I could remember is thinking, "Oh, I can totally do that," but I couldn't remember what. So now it's coming back up, and uh, my manager is in Rome, and he's, he pronounces Markdown like Macdown, and it took me a while to figure out what we were talking about, but once I did, I'm super psyched. Like, I get to convert like HTML, RST, uh, like restructured text, 
and uh, various other formats all into Markdown. And that is that's where I shine. That's like my bag. No, I was going to say like this whole thing, like, this is this is 100 like you were the right man for the job. Like if that's all they wanted you to do, which obviously you're going to be doing a lot more than that. But if that was it, like they would have hired the the most correct person that they could have had. You know, my first actual project, though, is writing blurbs that will be part of like an overview page with uh, you, you know, on AWS, it, if you log, if you like click up in the uh, search bar, you, you, you've used AWS, right? Oh, yeah. And it brings down that panel with like all 100 services from like Route 53 yeah. and EC. Yep. And, um, like it's basically a screen like that. And every service, there's almost 90 of them, has to have what they, they, they want something clever. But right now, I'm just struggling to actually understand. Like, I'll get it. It'll it'll be like uh, compute bare metal, and that's all I'll have to go on. So then I have to go look up like what this service is to Oracle, so I can not only understand it but be clever about it. it it's right. an int- but it's a great immersion. Like I'm learning a lot about the company very quickly here. Yeah, no, I went through a similar thing when I joined the, um, you know, Azure is, is I was like, I had to do some fundamentals videos and stuff. And I had to do like a, a walkthrough of the um, like uh, portal. And I was like, I don't know what a lot of this stuff is. And so it was one of those things where I was like having to figure out, okay, what does this, how does this like relate to? And we actually have like internally, we have stuff that compares like what some of our services are compared to like AWS, for instance, but there are some other things that like didn't fit with that. And it's one of those things. It's like, okay, I have to figure out like what all this stuff does and what it means. And it's a really good way of like learning what your stuff is really quickly when you have to either write documentation or my case, like it was a similar thing. I didn't have to write documentation, but I had to build tutorials and I had to do like the portal videos and some other stuff. And I was like, I don't know what this stuff is. So now I'm going to have to figure it out because I have to create content for it. And it was a really good way to, to get started. You, I know for a fact that you are better at like sitting down and learning that stuff than I am though. Like I get so overwhelmed so fast and like reading for comprehension is not my strong point. Yeah, I'm not bad at that. Um, it, but the problem is, is that sometimes you can go into little tangents, like oh, you read something, then you try it out, and then you go into a rabbit hole on that, and and it, you know waste some time. And so staying focused is sometimes the issue. So a lot of times, what I'll do when I'm learning stuff is I keep you know a list of links, like usually a markdown list of of links, and I try to create like a favorites folder or whatever, or you know do something in Penboard or someplace else and and have it so I have my resources so I can you know go to later. But um, our issue, and and I'm sure this is the ca- same case with with uh, Oracle because it's the same case with every company, is that we will have documentation within the documentation stuff for different things that will exist in multiple places. So. You know, because one team put it in one place, mm-hmm. one team put it in another. And so, you know, you wind up finding one bit of really useful information. You're like, well, this should be linked here, but it's not. But I found it through this link and it doesn't land on this landing page and it's not cross-referenced here, but it should be. You know, and so you wind up having to kind of create your own weird little like nest of where you've figured stuff out. I'll take that to the next level and say they gave me three different lists of services to write blurbs about. Uh, ostensibly, these were three different ways of seeing the same information. I converted them all into uh, lists that I could diff. The 
no two of those have the same names for the services or existing descriptions. Like they are all, it's three completely different lists as if they came from three different companies. And so like the first step, the, the last three days has just been trying to figure out what the canonical list of services is. Right. Yes. No, I, yep. Yep. Um, I haven't had to do that exact thing, but we've run into, I've run into similar things over the years. Like when I've started to, I actually think the, the first product that I was working on when I joined Microsoft, which doesn't exist anymore, there was, um, there was a thing where you had to go through and we had to find like a listing of all of the stuff that existed, like all of the courses that existed yeah. on this platform. And we thought that we had a canonical list. We did not. And we had to kind of go through and like figure out where it was and then do an audit of what their links were and like what their dates were when they had last been updated. Like there was all this stuff. And just getting to that point where we had like a canonical list of like all the things that were on the platform was more difficult than it should have been. But that was by virtue of the fact that there were three different management systems and two different build systems for where the content was managed. It was, yeah, it was a lot. I have a, going back to the research thing, I have a tip for our listeners and maybe you, have you ever gotten into the browser plugin Workona? I have not, although you have um, introduced it to me and told me how good it is. I, I've tried to get into it, but I have not been able to get into it. Like if I, so I sit down and I want to start, you know, researching services and I know I'm going to be finding right. a bunch of links. I basically just open a new window give it uh give give my like tab group a name and then every tab that i open becomes part of that group and then i can just close that group and come back to it anytime it's a tab manager but it's super super slick super cool i love orcona i've probably mentioned it on this show before but i honestly i i wouldn't be able to work without it that's yeah that's uh well i mean i'm glad that you don't have to i'm glad that you have that in your repertoire, so to speak. I wonder if it's actually pronounced work on a, like work on this and work on that. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Really, that would be uh, just poor spelling if that's the case. But um, speaking of day jobs, uh, I don't have time to cook lunch anymore. And uh, that's, I, I get, so I do the intermittent fasting thing. Mm -hmm. so I don't eat until noon, but if I don't eat at noon, things get ugly. Uh, and that means most days like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is my lunch, which isn't great for me. But uh, Ritual, our, our, our longtime sponsor, the vitamin manufacturers, uh, just came out with a protein powder that I have been using and loving. Can I tell you about it? Please do. You they sent this to me, but it, it arrived literally as I was flying out to see my nephew. So I haven't been able to try it yet. So please tell me about it. Yeah. So like protein powders can feel intimidating with all the no pain, no gain stuff associated with them. But the truth is deep down, as in like cellular level deep, we all need protein and it's about more than just muscles. Uh, so Ritual's team of scientists reimagine protein from the ground up and from the inside out, from how it's made to who it's for. And the result is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct life stages and unique nutrient needs, all made with the same high standards approach to and commitment to traceability that Ritual is known for. 
Whether you're doing reps or more into dog walks, Ritual is introducing Essential Protein here to shake things up. That's a pun because you shake it up. You get it. You get it. Um, I do. So now that I'm super busy, taking the time to cook lunch has been pretty much impossible. Uh, I've been using Ritual as a meal replacement, which I asked them, can I use this as a meal replacement? And they said, yes, that's what we made it for. Um, So I get the protein that I need and I don't feel hungry and I get the nutrition that otherwise would take some careful meal planning that once again, I don't have time for. Uh, Having used some meal replacement products in the past, uh, you know that I've always, I've, I've loved my meal replacements, but I can tell you that essential protein actually tastes great. Not just in comparison to others, like it's seriously just tasty. I've used like pea protein in the past, which is what they did and somehow they made it work. Uh, But pea protein, you can't mask that flavor. I don't care how much peanut butter and banana you add to it. It still tastes bitter and awful. So props to Ritual for making this work. And they did it with no added sugar or sugar alcohols. The trick apparently is handcrafted vanilla flavor made from a direct from farmer vanilla bean extract sustainably harvested in Madagascar. And I know this because of that okay. visible supply chain. You always know what's in their formula, where the ingredients come from, and why they're included. Yeah. It, they, their beans are from, or their peas are from the U.S. with like regenerative, regenerative farming practices. This is this is good shit. Um Essential protein comes in clean, plant-based formulas specifically created to support nutrient needs of different life stages like 18+, pregnancy and postpartum, and 50+. 20 grams of pea protein plus a complete amino acid profile made with essential choline to help fill common dietary gaps. Like all Ritual products, essential protein is soy-free, gluten-free, and formulated with non-GMO ingredients. So, why not shake up your ritual? Again, good pun. Uh, try to make something new, <laughs> less scary. Uh, to, to, to try to make something new, less scary, ritual offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Plus, overtired listeners get 10% off during their first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash overtired and add essential protein today. That's ritual.com slash overtired. And I got to say, I'm, I'm really impressed with this stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to hawk it for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Ritual. And I'm, um, I'm excited to try this out when I get home because I am in a similar situation where I sometimes don't have time to take to eat lunch or more accurately, I forget. So <laughs> yeah, this is there. exciting. Yeah. yeah. You get like three back-to-back meetings and it's really easy to forget other than like your raging headache that you haven't eaten lunch. 100%. Although we're pretty good. I, although, see, this is the hard thing because I, I bet most people on um, your team are working West Coast hours. Yeah. So we usually don't have um, meetings during like 12 to 1 o'clock. So that makes it easier. But, yeah, since you're two hours ahead, yeah. I, I, I we, can see. We, we, uh, most of the U.S. part of the team is West Coast. So right. we rarely have meetings before 10 a.m. my time which is great because I go to yoga three times a week and it's usually goes till about 8.45 and I haven't had to change that except for my manager is in Italy and he was super excited to find out that I was two hours ahead of California because that means he didn't have to stay up till like 8 p.m. to have a meeting. 
So right. he's been scheduling stuff at like 7.45 in the morning. He scheduled one for 7.15 and I had to say, no, that's too early. Yeah, which I think is fair. I think you can be like, yeah, <laughs> look, I'm I'm really glad that I'm earlier than you're used to. But 7.15 is too Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, an hour, dude? Cool. Like, <laughs> Two, now you're kind of getting to the point where like, I'm not even awake yet. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I get up at 530, like every day, 530, even on weekends. It's just my body is currently wired that way, except like that time between 530 and 8am or 9am. That's like me time. That's when I do personal coding projects and, and work on my office setup and stuff like that. And it feels it's, I don't want to give that stuff up. That's like, that's sanity time for me. No, I think that makes sense. And it's interesting because I'm not a morning person, but I do find that if I can wake up, like if I could have that, say, you know, hour and a half or two and a half hours to wake up and kind of get ready for the day, then I'm actually really productive. That I actually need to work on is is waking up in advance. Because usually what happens is I just wake up, you know, it would either be just with enough time to get into the office because I would usually take like either like a 7.55 or like an 8.05, like sometimes it was a 7.30, but it would vary like what time of a like bus, like connector I would get, you know, and sometimes I would try to see if I, I could get like like a like an 8.25, that would be like ideal. And yeah. then I would get into the office like a little after nine and and that would be really good. But, you know, um, and so depending on the day, you know, I only need to wake up 30 minutes in advance and then go across the street and catch the bus. But now because I could just, you know, roll out of bed and go into the other room or sometimes just take the meeting from my bedroom. I ha- I don't have that me time. And yeah. I think that as an ADHD person and for lots of other reasons, I need to do that. That's actually been interesting. What's going to be really interesting when I go back um, on Saturday is my sleep schedule is, is so fucked right now because I've been staying up with my sister every night with the baby mm-hmm. and you know, so that means going to bed. Like I, w- I went to bed at like 4 a.m. last night and then I was up at like nine. And, Jesus, I haven't stayed up till know, 4 a.m. since I was, oh my God. I can't even remember the last time I stayed up past midnight. Well, I mean, I, I frequently stay up past midnight and do other stuff, but it's just that I, what's going to be weird about this is that like my body clock is also now three hours ahead. And so going back, I'm going to be getting used to both the, you know, staying up weird hours and being in a different time zone thing. And then it doesn't help that I've got to sort of prepare myself because not next week, but the week after next is Microsoft build and I'll be doing some of the late night hosting stuff. So you should just stay up until like 8am and then you could like do a full 24 hour reset when you get home. No, then you'd be like 12 hours off. That wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't. So I've got to, yeah, I'm just going to be sleeping, trying to get into things, but I have a bunch of meetings on Monday and Tuesday next week. So I don't know. My sleep schedule is fucked. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how my body reacts to stuff next week. That's for sure. So let's talk about your Dogecoin. This is our our continuing (gasps) saga. We're we're in the, uh, the Doge segment of the show now. We are in the Doge segment of the show. Well, fucking Elon, you know, totally whiffed on SNL. And that was when it started to really drop. And so my average cost, because I bought in too high, my average cost is now at 24.94 uh, 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 cents, so almost 25 cents. So the current price, as we're recording this, is 38.53 and dropping, but also going up a little bit. It 
this is the lowest it has been in weeks. Um, and it's funny because I remember when it hit 420, like 42 cents, everybody was like so excited. Earlier today, it was at you know, like 44 cents. Um, it was at, I think it hit um, like 47 or 48 cents yesterday. I don't know. It's down a lot. The whole, all of crypto is down a lot. So I'm only up as we record this a little over $600, $620.41. So I'm only up 55% right now. Yeah. Like this slump took Bitcoin down like 36%. Like that was a huge loss. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin's now at um, 48.85. And and at this point, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at getting into Bitcoin um, at least like fractionally. Um, we'll see if it drops any lower because I think it'll come back, but yeah, um, I, um, my, my doge dreams dreams. I was up like two grand Saturday. I should have sold Saturday and I didn't partially because I was with the baby. And then by the time it was dropping, I was like, well, maybe it'll pop and I don't want it to, I don't want to lose stuff. And now I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, you know what this, I I bought into this because it was funny and I (laughs) going to play the joke out. Completely. I mean, like, here's the here's the thing. And this is like the immense privilege, but I've talked about this before that this was money I forgot that I had. And so I don't really care one way or another. The worst thing that can happen is if I lose all of my investment, then I get a tax write off for that amount, which I can definitely use. Like, that's the worst thing that can happen. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to play it out, see if it pops again. And if it doesn't and I'm I'm down, if I'm at a loss, womp, womp, then it's been really funny. You know, so this uh, this crash really was brought on by Elon Musk doing a horrible job on SNL. And yes, the fact that it was bad jokes that made a joke currency. It's uh, Michael Antonelli of Baird said bad jokes and no funny memes leading to a doge crash. Absolutely makes sense to me. It's like an earnings miss, but for a new era. 100%. One hundred percent. There was a, there was another component to this too. This guy, uh, 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 Michael Silbert, who was like one crypto guy. I can't remember what coin he was from or where he was from, but he decided to get out and try to put it in something else. And he apparently had a really big position in Doge, and so and and he got out like before SNL started. So that might have had something to do with it. But yeah, you saw it drop. Like I was watching SNL and he was so bad. I was watching SNL being called an ableist, by the way. I'm an ableist now, Brett, because I said that a billionaire um, famous person didn't do a good job on SNL. And then people were like, oh, well, it's because he has Asperger's. And I'm like, I don't actually care. Dan Aykroyd had Asperger's. Agreed. Well, that came out. But the thing is- Dan Aykroyd was funny. Precisely. Like, here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to give you an attaboy or like a good job because you have a disorder that in some people means that you're not good at making eye contact or, you know, you don't have good timing and you can't be funny. Right. And that's not the case with all people, but it is the case with some people. But like, it's the same thing is that if you have a profound speech impediment or stutter or something else, maybe you shouldn't be a news anchor. And in fact, most news anchors you would be disqualified if you had a really profound stutter or a really profound speech impediment from being a news anchor. You would be disqualified from that job. Uh, that's a fact, and that's completely fair. So maybe if for whatever reason, I don't care what it is, and and people um in let us know in the Discord, let us know online if I'm an asshole. Maybe I I, and I admit this is an assholeish thing to say, but I think it's also pretty honest. If you have things going on, like he's not a good public speaker, and we know this. Maybe those should be things that 
should be disqualifying for hosting a show like SNL. Just a thought. We have we have suddenly, but it has nothing to do with his being Aspergers. We've like, we've crossed over into like the who Christina has pissed off this week segment. This is cool. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, yeah, no, people were calling me ableist and all this other stuff. Then somebody com- compared me to a Trump supporter and anti-vaxxers <laughs> because I dared say that I'm entitled to say I don't think the guy is good at this. And he was like, well, you just want to be a hater. And I'm like, who cares? It's not hurting him. I'm not punching down by saying that the guy is a bad public speaker and is and wasn't a good host. I also said that the writing let him down and the writing was really bad. So it, it wasn't a complete thing where it was all of his fault. Like the writing was also really, really shitty, even for, you know, SNL standards, which SNL can be mixed. But and that's just At my perspective. Best. Some people. Right. But sometimes SNL nails it. Sometimes it doesn't. Like the thing is, is that, you know, like when you bring in non-performers to a show like SNL, the results are usually really negative. Right. Like, this is why politicians, I don't think, should be brought on. Now, I know why SNL invited him. They wanted the ratings and they wanted the the memes and they wanted, you know, all the other stuff. That's why you invite him. I get it. I'm not opposed to them inviting him. I just feel like it's one of those things like there are some people who are going to be really good on television and there are some people who are really not. And he's not good TV. Like, it's just. Yeah. You Watching him on Joe Rogan get stoned, like that's one thing. But watching him on a comedy show, whatever. Uh, and it was so bad, it, it it lost me money. So fuck you, Elon. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm kidding. I don't care. Cross promotion. My guests this week on Systematic were a, uh, a therapist who specializes in uh, autism spectrum disorder and her daughter, who is diagnosed with Asperger's during the period where they were actually using the Asperger diagnosis. I was going to say, that's the other thing too. Like this has, this is no longer even part of the DSM. Except five. If, if, if you were diagnosed with Asperger's during the time of the DSM four, you do get to maintain the diagnosis. Like you can still okay. call yourself an Aspie. Um, okay. You can still be an Aspie. Okay. Yes. It's still legit despite, you know, Asperger being a Nazi and all of this. But anyway, it was a fascinating conversation. I had them both on. I got to talk to uh, both from like a parent, uh, parent who specializes in autism and a daughter who actually lives with it. And it was, it was a really cool conversation. That's awesome. That's really good. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. So uh, speaking of Doge though. Yeah. I feel like I could segue into upstart lending at this point. That was almost a segue in and of itself. But speaking of speaking of losing money, cre- <laughs> credit card interest will kill you. Um, but when it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keep you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart, today's second sponsor, can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple, fixed monthly payment. Personally, I've never defaulted on a loan. I've never even missed a credit card payment. But uh, thanks to some medical bills, my debt to asset ratio was high enough that I couldn't get a loan from anyone and my, my credit card debt got crazy. Uh, Like I'm not an irresponsible spender, but that's not something you usually get to explain when you're looking for a loan. So I was stuck paying crazy amounts of interest 
And even paying double my minimum payment, I was looking at years of debt and thousands of dollars in interest. Uh, Upstart looked at more than just my credit score, taking into account things like my income and employment history, and they were able to help me out. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. I got approved the same day I I applied, and I had my money a day later, and now my credit cards are all paid off, and I will be debt-free in five years, and I'm saving over $6,000 on what I would have paid in interest to the credit cards. So... Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash overtired. That's upstart.com slash overtired. And don't forget to use our URL so they know that we sent you. Uh, Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. So just head over to upstart.com slash overtired. I took all the reads today because I, I felt bad that I still owe you a check. And, and I figured I'll do the reads. She'll still get paid. I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit. Okay. I appreciate that. But also I appreciate uh, the sponsor. I'm glad that they um, are doing things like that because it's such a ridiculous pattern that people can get sucked into, Yeah, you know, paying off interest and you know, minimum payments, not even paying off the interest. So. Yeah. Oh my God. Credit cards are the worst. Like if you, if you, if you can pay your credit card bill off every month, it, credit cards can have benefits. Like you can get your points. Yeah. That's what I do. Your discounts. That's what I try to do. That's what I, that's what I try to do. And I know that it's not always possible to do that, but that's what I try to do. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why I like American express historically is because most of their cards are charge cards. They're not credit cards, meaning you have to like, you don't have a choice. Like you have to um, pay it off at the end of every month. So you so. can't you can't spend money you don't have, uh, which is always my intention going into it. And then things happen that I can't afford but have to be paid. And absolutely, I end up putting them on a credit card and thinking I'll be able to afford this in a couple months. But then more shit happens and shit piles up and shit sucks. Shit, shit, shit. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna skip. We were on the we were on the the Musk uh, train for a minute there, and we could have talked about how uh, a couple of researchers hacked a Tesla with a drone flying overhead, which is slightly interesting, but also, eh, I'm I'm over it. You're over it. I mean, it's it it, it is what it is. I mean, I think yeah. The one thing I do want to say about Musk, did you see how he also crashed Bitcoin because he said that Tesla won't accept it anymore and that he doesn't want to, um, he like feels like, oh, um, uh, you know, that it's bad for the environment or whatever. Like all of a sudden he now like cares about the environment. It's his, his stance on the environment is uh, frequently infuriating. Like he doesn't yeah. believe the science Oh, no, it's it. it Yeah. Well, and also it seems weird to me, like he's still keeping his crypto holdings. Right. So he's still keeping his holdings in this stuff. But and he's like, I'm not going to cash out, but um, we're not going to accept it anymore, which to me feels like, well, this just makes me see me makes me think you're just not happy with like the price fluctuations of Bitcoin and so, and it and it's worse less than it than it was maybe 
And so you don't want to take the loss when converting it to fiat, if that's what you're going to be doing with it. And I'm sorry to use the term fiat because we should just call it real money. But you know what I mean? Like when you convert it into actual dollars, you would be at a loss. I mean, I don't know. It seems... It seems weird to me. Like, he's not wrong that the environmental impact for each transaction is terrible. Although, A, I would question how many people are actually buying Teslas with Bitcoin. I would imagine that it's a very small number, right? Uh, so even though that's not to detract from the environmental impact, but is also to say I feel like this is this is this is covering up for something else. Yeah. Is all is is my is my gut feeling. Uh, but anyway, that could also be why it fell. But it's it's just funny how um, there's speculation. Like, is he going to p- piss off all the the people who are um, so you know in love with him with this stuff? I have no clue. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think those people will ever go anywhere. But if you ever want to like uh, fully lose whatever respect you have left for Elon Musk, uh, there uh, some more news. Cody Johnson just put out uh, a whole half hour episode on on Musk and it is it it digs into everything that's wrong with the guy and uh if if the if you want to know more it is absolutely worth a watch excellent i will check that out but yeah this is uh, this is interesting oh so bad news my dad has discovered youtube yeah, because he watches a weird, like he w- watches some of those, you know, like weird gossip videos that that get created that somehow get into your playlist, and then sort of not full on conspiracy stuff, but stuff that mm. certainly seems weird, and lots of covers of songs and stuff. I don't know. It's just there's he watches lots of weird shit, and I'm like, I don't know what you're watching. This is a lot. Is he gonna get so, radicalized? Oh, he's already radicalized. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 too late. The Fox News already ruined his brain. So that's absolutely too late for that. But now I've discovered the YouTube stuff. I'm like, oh my God. Could you You're be more have to of a put boomer? some parental controls on there? <laughs> oh, God. Um, he was showing us TikTok videos because he's really into Elvis. He was showing us TikTok videos that he discovered on YouTube. And and um my my sister was like, You should explain TikTok to him. And I was like, Kelly? <laughs> no. <laughs> What is the point? Like, I'm not even bothering. The guy is 76 years old. I'm not explaining TikTok to him. I'm not doing that. I'm not getting into that. Let him find his videos online and enjoy it and just think that it's a YouTube thing. Fine. Because he found all these girls dancing to Elvis songs and was really into it because he loves Elvis. And I was just like, you're such a boomer, dude. You're such a boomer. I love my parents. I really do. But my God. Do you want to get to the really important topic? Absolutely. Absolutely. Monospace fonts with ligatures. Where do you stand? Okay, so I'm in favor, but I know that that's controversial because a lot of the actual glyph designers dislike it. It depends on the font, though. Like, I think in some fonts, I like it, and some I don't. But in general, I do like it, uh, especially if it if there's a font where it's difficult to tell the difference between certain things and if you're trying to customize your terminal. So... I, I'm not against it, but I, I do understand why the, the purists don't love it. Where where do you stand? Well, I never liked it. Like it always, if I tried a new font and it suddenly changed like certain character combinations into symbols, uh, I always found that a little bit annoying enough that I would, you know, just switch to a different font. But then I found right. JetBrains 
And I yep. loved JetBrains Mono. JetBrains Mono enough that I was willing to give the ligatures a chance. And now that I'm used to them, I can say that at least in this specific case, I'm actually really a fan of ligatures. Yeah, I like I like the the JetBrains uh, mono font. There's also Cascadia Code, which is our yeah. font for um, uh, Windows Terminal, which is really good, and I like that one a lot. That also has a ligature option. There is somebody who has created a way to like add ligatures to Operator Mono, which is yeah. the um, uh, Hofler uh, and Company font that that I use. There's a there's one called a uh, Dank Mono that I bought that I like think that there, one has a ligature option there's a yeah. really like I, i've never felt fancy enough to actually buy a license for operator but there are a couple of open source knockoffs and one that combines yeah. with um the lobster the google font lobster um mm-hmm. i google probably didn't make it but that's where i know it from but anyway right. it uses lobster for comments uh italicized text is then in like a script and it actually looks really good yeah i like that too um, but it is one of those things I think like once you get used to it, you really like it, but it is one of those interesting things like, and obviously like Thera code is like the most common one. Yeah. Right. And again, that was, you know, uh, somebody like added, you know, and, and updated like the, the, the Fiora, uh, uh, you know, um, um, font and, and added the support to it. Now, do you get into power line stuff? That's where. No, I, I, I understand the appeal, but like that just kind of. You mean, I do do you mean like, like the prompt, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I, like I see people who get really into that and that's fine. But there is sometimes um, like I think that I don't know, like it, it's it's a cross between me. I understand why people do it and I, I get it. I, I do up. I do do some customizations to like my iTerm and, and within like my uh, Z shell and whatnot to maybe add some stuff to do similar things to Powerline. But I don't do Powerline. I started using uh, a prompt. Uh, it's available for fish. I don't know if they were. It works in other shells, but it's called Starship, and it yeah. makes all of the like uh, Ruby versions and Git status and all of that like super easy to add to prompts. So I've I've incorporated Starship into my custom prompt, and I still like I haven't figured out what all of the symbols it shows in a Git repo mean yet. Like I can put together from context that this means it's dirty and this means it's behind this many pushes, but sometimes it throws up character combinations that I don't, I don't know what it's trying to tell me. I really need to look that up. Starship does work with any shell because I've used it before um, with, with other shells. I've, I've used it with, um, with Z shell and um, uh, some other stuff, but yeah, um, I think that it started out maybe as something that was part of, um, oh no, it, it, it started actually, it's part of the spaceship prompt, which was a, a Z shell prompt for astronauts, which I liked a lot. Nice. And, and, um, and, and now it works on their stuff. But yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I was like looking, I was like, oh, should I, uh, do I need to, um, favorite that? And it's like, nope, it's already starred. It's already in my GitHub stars. <laughs> already <laughs> it's like, there. It's like when I Google how to solve a problem and, and I you find, find your my own, own blog. Yeah, no, same thing and and nerd fonts do some similar things and that's one some of what it's using is that you're able to kind of append like the nerd font stuff to those things so yeah uh but yeah starship is is starship.rs um is the website and um we'll put that in our uh show notes but it's it's good and actually they're 
um, I've used this one before too, cause I like it's coloring a lot and I like it's, um, like I like their icons, but like you, some of the stuff, I like have no idea what it is. I'm like, this, this is confusing to me, speaking but of my I own, like it. Speaking of my own blog, I, uh, I, I, so like part of switching to the M1 Mac mini, uh, I think we talked about how like my, one of my biggest problems what I was that I couldn't install older versions of Ruby on it. Yes. And my, you couldn't compile your blog. Right. So my blog was stuck in whatever state it was in like eight years ago. And I finally, I sat down, I rewrote a bunch of plugins over the weekend. Uh, one, one step at a time fixed almost everything. Uh, I'm going to let go. Like I used to have a plugin that could, if you put in a Flickr album ID it would create a gallery uh, of the images from that album, uh, but I don't really use Flickr anymore, and I can I can let that go. That I'm not going to put time into figuring that out. But everything else, I think I have working. I think the next blog post I publish will be compiled on my M1 Mac Mini. Nice, nice. And so, were you able to up? So, were you able to upgrade everything? Then, in that case, or did you compile from source some of the old versions? No, I like I got everything working with the latest version of Jekyll. Nice. On okay, Ruby got it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I mean, and that's a good thing, right? I mean, ultimately, it would be better to not be on like a version of Ruby that's been deprecated <laughs> or, for many or a years. version of Jekyll that is like two major releases behind. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and it's hard because if it's something like a blog where you don't have sensitive information and where, you know, it's not like of the utmost importance and it's not WordPress where people are have like literally a bots who are crawling the right. web to try to find login pages and stuff like I get my WordPress site that I haven't updated in years and years. I get, you know, emails every single day of, of lockout of IP addresses trying to spam into it. And I'm like, yeah, good luck, fuckers. The admin username doesn't work because I changed <laughs> it, you know, like eight years ago because I'm not a moron. Right. Um, but this is just a a static site there's nothing that's what to i'm hack, saying so, so that that's what i'm saying i'm like i mean maybe if you could pop into if you could pop the container or something you could get access to other parts of the server but you know who cares um so i understand the point where at a certain point like you you want to run the latest things but at a certain point you're like it works yeah. i don't care screw well, it and if it were an easy if it were just a matter of like updating the gem and and using it that'd be fine but i had uh, about 30 custom plugins that had dependencies right. that if I upgraded Jekyll and the bundle that allowed it to run, it broke most of those plugins. So it was, it was, uh, I had to weigh how much time it would take to revamp them versus the actual benefit, which as we have just discussed, uh, was, was pretty nil. But now I, now I, I, I want to let go of my MacBook Pro. Um, mm -hmm. not my work one, but the, the one I just got a year ago. Um, right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're 16 inch, right? Yeah. Still a great machine. I, I love it. But now that I have the mini and a work laptop, I want to be able to hand down the MacBook pro to the uh, next person in line, uh, which would be L this time. Um, and like, <laughs> I just, I need to know that all of my shit's going to work on the mini first though. But I'm getting there. I'm almost there. Yeah. I oh, So I wanted to add a second display to it. Uh, I have this uh, older 27-inch oh. thunder, Thunderbolt display. Uh-huh. And right now, nope. my Dell 
I have an awesome 32 inch Dell uh, UHQ something. It's amazing. It's an awesome monitor. It's plugged into uh, DisplayPort, which is then plugged in through USB C. So I took the Thunderbolt and I put a converter on it from Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3, plugged it into the Mini. Nothing happened. So I Google it. Turns out the Mini can drive one. 6K monitor off of USB-C, but then the second monitor has to be HDMI, like a 4K over HDMI. And so I tr- I thought well, the Dell has a, a, a plug for HDMI, but if I plug the Dell into HDMI, it just blinks on and off and I cannot figure out why. So I'm left here with this super, I love this old Thunderbolt display. It's a shame that I can't use it, but after a night of of fucking with it i i'm giving up i i think uh i think i'm either going to be a one display person or i'm gonna have to buy a new hdmi display yeah i know this is a problem that a lot of people have run into because i believe they only support one external display and there might be certain ways you can hack around it well, but the mini the limited. mini is supposed to support two one of them just has to be hdmi okay the the macbooks only support one like you right. have to, you have to go through like USB display hacks to get a second. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You have to do that. Okay, so one of them can be HDMI. Now, could you just get an HDMI to DisplayPort or or whatever like um, a form you have adapter to work with it? So like, would you be able to, to just do that? I I posed that question on Twitter. Um, it turns out if it's a Thunderbolt display, the only thing that can power it is a Thunderbolt port. You can't send HDMI to the Thunderbolt display. Yeah, yes and no. That that is true, but there are some caveats there. For instance, if you have like one of the LG, like the 27 inch or the 24 inch, like the the 4K or the 5K displays that they sell, like at the Apple Store, that are overpriced. The first revision that is true. The second revision, you can technically run those off of USB C, um, but they will only like the 5K display will only display in 4K, for instance. Yeah. So it, it's there's a weird thing with some of the standards. So in general, that is correct. There are, but I would like put an asterisk there because depending on the display and depending on the version of Thunderbolt, there might be ways around that. But yes, in general, that is correct. Yeah, like so. this this Thunderbolt display I want to use. It's not high def. It's from like 2012, maybe. Like yeah, exactly. That one, those, those are no low. No, that's the problem is that those, and and it's a good panel, but it's again, it's like twenty five sixty um, by fourteen forty or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Um, so it's it's a good panel, but um, yeah, the input thing there is just uh, yeah, you're you're basically dead on that, um, unfortunately. I mean, you got a lot of use out of it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I ha- I've had people who are like really mad. They're like, oh, my Thunderbolt display from you know a decade ago doesn't work anymore. I'm like. I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be annoyed, but at the same time, you've presumably had, you know, many years of service out of it, which is not quite the same thing, you know, yeah. as like this thing that I bought two years ago doesn't work. It's still frustrating, but it is what it is. But this is, I think, like why in general I've become and I'm a big purport, I'm a big supporter of Thunderbolt and stuff like that. But I've been in general, like sometimes I look at some of those device types and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, this, this is more of a pain than it should be because of the various, um, technical like requirements around it. And it's interesting too, because the newest M1 machines use USB four. And so they're only Thunderbolt three by, you know, virtue of the fact that USB four 
is now a superset of the Thunderbolt 3 spec. Yeah. Like that's literally the only reason why they are Thunderbolt 3 compliant is because they're, you know, like, so even at this point, even like Apple isn't going through the process of like, it's not clear if they're going to be supporting Thunderbolt 4 uh, when that comes out. Like they're very much like, okay, we'll use USB 4, but we're, and because that's a superset of Thunderbolt 3, fine, but we're not doing anything else. Ironically, that's a good thing because Thunderbolt 3 was basically only a thing in the in the um, Mac space, even though you had it on some Intel motherboards. Um, and there are a handful of AMD motherboards, including one that I have. And because of that, you've had a lot of monitors I think were overpriced and other accessories, you know, that were maybe overpriced or were in a kind of a different category that would only work on certain things. And now since USB 4 is going to be much more mainstream, it'll be, you know, on future all Intel motherboards and, and AMD will presumably adopt it on theirs too. Then hopefully more of those devices and accessories will be usable and the price on some of that stuff will come down. So which would be nice. OWC is a, a USB 4 uh, slash Thunderbolt 4 hub. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. I all I wanted was a way to split, like uh, with Fire Firewire or Fire <laughs> Firewire Thunderbolt three. I just wanted a way to to turn one port into three ports, like with the with the with a dedicated bus and the chaining that it should be able to do. That didn't seem like too much to ask. Uh, but with the USB four, uh, OWC is putting out a dock that does. That's all it does. It's one. Uh, USB four in three USB four out. And that's, I, I already pre-ordered mine. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've heard really good things about that. So I'm hoping that, um, whatchamacallit, that, uh, that'll be a good solution for a lot of people. Cause I believe that it actually will even give you a dedicated bus in some of those cases. So I'm like, I'm really happy about that. Um, but it, it's like, it's about time because in some of these cases, it's just been really, did you know that? So on the M one MacBooks. Uh, there, there's like two ports, uh, like two USB-C ports on each side and each pair of those has a dedicated bus, but on the M1 Mac mini, there's only two ports total. So the safe assumption would be that they share a bus, but that's not the case. The M1 Mac mini has two dedicated Thunderbolt buses. That's, mm-hmm. I just figured that yes, out yesterday. It is. Yeah, yeah. The the Mac Mini does, and it's frustrating to me because my four thousand dollar iMac does not, <laughs> and it and um and so it like the amount of bandwidth that you have is limited, and that wouldn't matter unless you're trying to power a five K display and then trying to power like a second pipe five K display, which I do, and then you wanted some room for some other stuff, and you can do it, but it's just it's a it's a thing. Anyway, yeah, you want as much bandwidth as possible, so. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a a good place to wrap up the show. I mean, it's I not so. perfect. Like, I don't have a like a way to tie that off with a bow and call it a show. But I, what I'm trying to say is, I feel like it's time to wrap up the show. No, I think so. I think so because you're tired. I have a baby that I need to play with. I'm also a little tired, to be honest. The baby has been exhausting, but in a good way. But um, yeah, so. Uh, Good show, Brad. I'm I how I'm glad you're I guess almost through with week two, so um, you're still kind of in in meetingitis, but hopefully that will calm down a little bit as things continue. We'll see. Anyway, get some anyway, sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, Brad. The system is going down low.